This is episode number 009 of the Reno Slant. It's Boise week. I don't need to say anything more than that. Let's go. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schau. Well, that was not great, but I don't know how many of us can say it was a huge surprise with Ty Ganji and Sweats. Nevada struggled offensively, 21-3 home loss to Fresno last Saturday. Defense looked awesome, though. Certainly a silver lining. In that one, as, as always, Adam and I are going to share some quick thoughts on last week, then turn the page, and it's on to Boise. It's always going to mean something here in Reno. Always, always gets the blood pumping a little bit. So we'll share some thoughts on the matchup. What do we know about the Broncos, or what do we need to know about the Broncos, I should say? What are some key matchups? What are the keys to an upset victory for Nevada on Saturday night? What's the betting angle? And yes, Adam and I will share our predictions on the game. I'm really excited about the guest this week. I teased it on Twitter. John Ramey, voice of Nevada, got him to come on the show. Really fun conversation with John about wingless airplanes and his musical talents. Um, so really excited to hear have John on the show this week. Some slants this week. Games of the weekend. Something stupid we said. <laughs> It's a new slant, but we have to address a couple things from last week. Twitter questions from you guys. As always, got some really fun ones. And we'll get out of here, as always, on Random Reno. But first, iTunes five-star review of the week. Remember, something is at stake this week. A big, big $1 payday on Venmo. I don't know. We still need to figure out who's actually going to pay that $1. <laughs> I guess we could, we could probably alternate. Uh, we got a couple iTunes five-star reviews this week. We went with the review from TravASU08. He says, both guys are very knowledgeable. I would argue one of us is more knowledgeable than the other. And progressive on analyzing the games, teams, etc. Nice to finally have a pod just for the pack and have in-depth analysis, not just fluff pieces. So, Trav ASU 8 I guess reach out to us on Twitter. Let's make sure that actually is your Venmo handle, so we can get those that one dollar <laughs> in the right hands. But thank you so much for the kind words. We'll make sure and get you hooked up with the hundred cents next week. If you guys want to be in the running for the five star iTunes review of the week, all you gotta do go on to iTunes, leave us a five star review, and we'll see if we pick you. Um, be the winner next week. Uh, but bro, we, we just caught up a little bit before coming on air. I feel like we didn't talk for a week. How, you went to Phoenix. How was yep. it? How was <laughs> it? It was good down there. It's just with one buddy. Um, they did have a little bit of rain. So the weather on a couple of days wasn't as nice as it could be, but it was, yeah, it was a couple late nights, but <laughs> yeah, other than that, it, it wasn't too bad. It was a good, uh, I mean, I was down there for about five days. So we, we had some fun, but I'm still feeling a little bit of the pain. <laughs> Been go, slow the last couple days. Did you go run around on Mill Ave? Yeah, is that the one in Tempe? That's Arizona State. Yeah, so no, we actually didn't go down to Tempe. We spent most of our time down in the entertainment district in Scottsdale, mm. and I, I mean, that place gets bonkers. I had a lot of late <laughs> night, a lot of late night tacos. 
So there you go. It, yeah, it was a good time though. Did you watch the UFC fight? Do I? Yeah, I did. So I was actually at um, Will Fong's house. Yeah. And yeah, I was made my way out to their new place and was watching it there. And I mean, my favorite fight though, for sure, other than how crazy that was, my the, my favorite fight was I what was that guy's name Derek Lewis. The guy from Houston, the heavyweight. I know who you're talking about. I truthfully don't follow the sport nearly enough, but I I think we all know who you're talking about right now. Well, his post that fight, fight was in the interview. Yes, was his. Was yeah, epic. if 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 anybody hasn't heard his post fight interview, that was one of the most one of the best interviews I've ever heard. But uh, yeah. the, the story what, what, the storyline was obviously what happened after Khabib McGregor. Yeah, are you buying that that was legit or not? That what do you think it was like scripted or whatever of him jumping out and I don't know do if scripted it's... is the word, but if there was some sort of because after that fight, that's mm-hmm. all anyone talked about for like three days. Yeah. Was that. And if mm. that if, if, if so Dana White comes out, it's the worst thing that's ever happened for the league. Is it though? Nah, is I mean I though? don't I don't buy that. Like I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dana White, but I don't buy that because they used the McGregor when McGregor threw the dolly at his bus. Like they use that as promotional videos. So like I can Absolutely. see that as using this Khabib stuff for promotional for like a rematch and stuff. But even if it was kind of, I guess but not. Now, and now you have a villain though. But now you have the villain. But I think it's hard to. I think in my mind it's kind of hard to argue that because it's so over the top that now you have all sorts of legal implications and now you have they're talking there's troubled visas and a lot a couple guys on Khabib's team got arrested and it's like I have a hard time thinking that maybe there was some plan of like okay we got to hype up some sort of rematch but if there was they went way over the top <laughs> and obviously way too far I'm not saying it was staged I'm not claiming that but I'm okay. also not gonna are not gonna say that was the worst thing that's ever happened to the UFC because the UFC is certainly benefiting from that and maybe that's where the UFC no. goes now where they become this kind of mesh between UFC and wrestling in terms of promotion and the craziness and the over top aspect of it. But in that sport too, they walk such a thin line because it's like they still have to be you know. Oh, they're still you know, freak pe- athletes. Yeah. Well, uh, no, I'm just saying, like, that's a sport where guys are literally beating the living hell out of each other. People just blood everywhere, but they still have to like mer- maintain this public image that it's a professional and ethical thing. And then you have an event like that happen, and it's like that's what really throws them off that you know tight rope they're yeah. walking of you know trying to still be an appealing sport and you know being the um you know people being in favor of it. I guess. Yeah, it, it it's gruesome. <laughs> that Ferguson, the Ferguson fight, I don't, I can't, remember, I can't remember what his name was and who the guy was, but it was the guy he looked like he was losing the whole time. But then, uh, he, his like the guy who's fighting, just his whole face was just bleat like, yeah, <sighs> oh, it was insane. But yeah, it was great. I'm not big into UFC. I know you're not, but I was very, I was very happy that I tuned into that one. Yeah, we'll we'll move on to Fresno here. One last thought I'll say on the fight. I will say watching that. I felt like just a barbarian. I'm like, this is so, Blah. I feel, I feel day, like, like gladiator, mo- modern day gladiators. Without modern, the, without an- the an- it's ancient Rome in Las Vegas. That's what we got. Crazy. All right, moving on to Fresno, twenty-one-three loss. No Ty Ganji. You even texted me. Ty Ganji's not mm-hmm. playing. Nope. So when that happens, I think any hope. We had really of an upset win. I don't want to say completely disappeared, but they 
they took a blow. So yeah. thoughts from that one all it would probably be a pretty similar, at least with his first one. Defensively, mm-hmm. Nevada was awesome. I mean, I don't know what more you can really ask of that group considering, okay, you got your backup quarterback in. I don't know how many points you're going to score. A lot of three and outs, a lot of short possessions, and time and time again, I feel like the defense was able to answer the bell. Only gave up 21 points. Fresno was averaging 45 a game coming into that one. Nevada's third down defense, my favorite stat <laughs> of the season so far, <laughs> held Fresno to 3 of 13. On the ground, Fresno, 24 carries, 30 yards. That was the least by a Fresno team in three years. That was the least amount of rushing yards Nevada has given up since 2009. So that that was an amazing, amazing effort from the defense, all things considered. Yeah, hats off to the defense. That was obviously my first one, too. Um, moving on to the next one, though, some of these categories that we've talked about throughout the weeks. But they let, Nevada led in a lot of these big ones that, you know, they obviously offense struggled last week, so they weren't able to get it done. But in games down the road, I mean – these will help, these will help tremendously. They total yards beat Fresno 327 to 271. Time of possession 35 and a half to 24 and a half. First downs were tw- 21 first downs for Nevada and 12 for Fresno. And they only had one penalty for five yards. So if you look at some of the statistics and the categories they're in, I mean, yeah, it didn't work last weekend, but you factor in Ganji not playing and everything. And if you can keep up with those, and I mean, obviously the defensive play helped out a lot. Those yeah. may help for, I don't know, Boise State, San Diego State, some of these other big games that are coming up. Yeah, you look back at the stats, and you wouldn't say, man, Nevada got its ass kicked. Mm-hmm. I mean, they hung around with Fresno. They really did. Does the game change if Ganji's in there? Hmm. It's, yeah, it's always you, fun. To, you, always, you, fun, always fun to play that what if game, you especially can play the what if game, especially in a game like that. I was watching on my phone because we had the fight on on the TV, but like I don't know if that I saw a ton of receivers running wide open. Hmm. It wasn't like I I didn't get the feeling watching it that Solano just missed a ton of throws. Yeah. So what does a immobile Ganji bring to the table there? Good I point. Don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So that was one of the ones that I got to. I think ultimately. You can certainly play the what if game. Doesn't matter to win that game if Ganji plays or if Ganji's at least, let's play, go even further back. Let's say he, Ganji doesn't get hurt and he plays healthy. Then mm-hmm. I think that maybe has a little bit more merit. But I think considering how banged up he appears to be, he's practiced, I think, the last two days, but this, what, I, what I've read at least is that he's less than 100%. I don't think that should be a surprise to anyone. I think it was the right call t- to sit him. Yeah, um, that's what I was thinking. That's what I still think. I mean, you still don't want to risk him just getting something even drastically worse and then missing the rest of the season. Yeah, Nor- Norvell said the decision point was is that they felt like he wouldn't be able to protect himself out there. And if you're sitting there at a quarter at the quarterback position and you're completely immobile and you're just sitting there wounded duck, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a bad recipe. So I, I think ultimately it was the, it was the right call. It was gonna be a tough game regardless, and then you get Christian Solano some awesome experience. Yeah, for, for, first no, start playing a good Fresno, good, really good Fresno defense, and um, we, we'll talk about John Ramey here in a little bit. But we thought Christian Solano looked pretty good, mm-hmm. he, at least in terms of uh, ball fakes, in terms of confidence. He didn't look totally overwhelmed. He did throw three picks; not all of those were on him, certainly. Um, and like we talked about last week, that's a Fresno defense that. Picks off a lot of passes. That's, yep. that's kind of what they do. Um, do you have another one from last week? 
Um, I was going to talk just about the turnovers. Those were kind of the one thing. And obviously you said they weren't, weren't all factors of his throws and everything, but the turnovers were kind of a killer. And obviously with the offense kind of immobilized, I'll put it that way. Um, they, you're still four of 18 on third down, which definitely isn't going to help out a whole lot. Nope. So going to have to improve on that. So we'll see what they can do against the Boise D. But I mean, looking back at the game, I didn't, I, you know, 21 to three, I didn't hate it. Like I, I didn't watch it and was, I wasn't like, you know, obviously I don't think anybody should have felt like embarrassed or anything like that. Like Nevada obviously no. didn't get hammered. I thought personally that they, for what they had going into the game and missing their starting quarterback that, you know, all in all, it was still a, a good performance on their part. I don't know if we want to be a moral victory podcast, <laughs> but it, it certainly felt like that one. I mean, that, that was a game yeah. you leave and it felt like this program is getting better. Well, yeah, I, I, wasn't close meaning, the gap. I wasn't meaning a more like a moral. I'm thinking of like watching the game. And once I realized Gangy wasn't playing, I was like, this is going to be, you know, this could, this could get ugly real bad. And then yeah. trying to keep up with it. It's like, okay, okay. It just, it helped me definitely be more optimistic. I was like, you know, this team, I guess <laughs> from the moral standpoint, yeah, no, like no, this no, team, you're right, though. this team, this team came, this team can obviously shows that they can play with some of the best in the, in the mountain West. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we look at what this defense was last year, what it was yeah. two, oh, two yeah. years ago. Oh, and yeah. now you look at this defense and it's hard to even recognize them against the run. It's like, remember when they were giving up six yards of carry for an entire season mm-hmm. when they were dead last in the entire country against oh, the run? It's just, it's nine day different, nine day. Fresno is a good, is a pretty good running. I don't want to say they're a respectable running team. And yeah. if you hold anyone to 30 yards rushing on, on 24 carries, that's an amazing effort. So I, I think all in all, that's an inspiring effort. Frustrating yeah. loss, but an inspiring <laughs> effort. Well, that my, my last thing was the attendance. Woof. If we needed a, any sort of indicator that Okay, the basketball machine's really starting to roll right now. They have the scrimmage on Thursday, which is going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to watching that, by the way. The hype machine, it's been going all season, but now it's really starting to, oh my God, it's getting close. Yeah. You can totally tell just <laughs> on Twitter that attention is starting to, we're starting to Definitely. lean a little bit. Yeah. So 15,367, not a great Ooh. number when you're playing a good team like Fresno, but it was, it was a 7.30 start. That always hurts. It was a chilly night in Reno. That doesn't help either. If Nevada can win on Saturday, then maybe start to put some more butts in seats. And it's Boise, so people are going to show up regardless. It's going to be a bigger number than 15-6 than on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. All right, speaking of Saturday, let's move on to it. Nevada, Boise, people in Reno, we call it a rivalry. I don't know the people in Boise do. Boise has owned this series. Especially recently. The Broncos mm-hmm. this year are three and two, one and one in the Mountain West. Coming off a, they got their butts kicked by San Diego State last week in Boise. So yeah. now you got an angry Boise team coming to Reno. How great watching that game. I even said it on Twitter. I don't know that Nevada wants San Diego State to win this game. San Diego State had its backup quarterback, had its backup running back, and defensively, San Diego State just erased the Broncos. Absolutely erased them. Yeah, they couldn't do anything on offense. Nothing. Uh, this is the fourth time in six years Boise has started three and two. So they are familiar being in the spots. It's worked out for them pretty well in years past. Kickoff again, 730. Gross. 
on the CBS Sports Network. I went first on Fresno Thoughts, so I'll let you lead off a couple things about Boise. Well, tailing what you said about an angry Boise team coming to Reno. So they also started 3-2 and last year, and I don't know for how many people kept up with them that tightly, but they got smoked by Virginia. And then they ended up reeling off six straight wins last year, clinched the Mountain Division. They ended up actually losing to Fresno in the Mountain West title game. Or, right. Yeah. No, they end, yeah, they beat, lost him in that. But they ended up going back to the bowl. They beat Oregon in the bowl game. So even though, you know, I think uh, people were definitely anticipating Boise State being in a different spot than they're in right now, um, this is exactly where they were last year. And this is kind of right where they've turned the page and, you know, reset yeah like i said they're familiar with the spot fourth time in six years they've started the year three and two yeah oh god i didn't realize it was fourth time in six years that's that's pretty frequent i mentioned that they're coming off uh a butt kicking at home by mm-hmm. san diego state that really was a wtf moment for for boys they were favored by two touchdowns in that one mentioned mm-hmm. san diego state backup quarterback backup running back so the fact that they're coming in with probably a little something to prove. They're probably a little upset. They probably had a brutal week of practice. I don't know if that's a great thing for Nevada. We talked about how good San Diego State's defense was briefly there. Mm-hmm. Boise had 229 yards of offense, ripping through two picks. I think he threw two. Boise collectively threw yeah. three. He was held to four yards per attempt on the ground. Boise ran for 51 yards on 36 carries. So we talk about good defenses in the Mountain West. Nevada has looked a lot better. Fresno we saw last week was great. San Diego State's looked really nice last week. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, sh- that game's coming up for Nevada. Yikes. Uh, well, I'll go to Boise's defense now. Uh, kind of a, the, how they've been keeping up. They're, I mean, they're up there in the country too. They're 15th right now in the top of the Mountain West in total defense. I mean, they're only giving up 311 yards a game, which it's not appealing looking at those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and especially the offensive performance we had last week, you just definitely, I mean, that just doesn't make you feel any better. It's like getting kicked when you're down. So we'll see how they do. Obviously, it'll be interesting if Ganji goes or not, but the, just as Fresno defense was legit, I mean Boise State's defense is legit. Is he? I would say it's even better. In my opinion, better. Boise gives up. I think they're giving up almost twenty points per game. Fresno was mm-hmm. somewhere around fifteen. So uh, Boise gives up a couple more points, but they do, like you said, they lead the Mountain West in yards per game allowed. That's one of the stats I pulled as well. That's number fifteen in the country, three hundred eleven yards per game. It's ahead of Fresno. Yeah. It's ahead of San Diego State. A nice number though. For Christian Solano or Ty Ganji, whoever goes, I think Nevada's optimistic that Ganji's going to go. But even if he does, we know he's not going to be 100%. Boise has only picked off two passes this year. So after playing a Fresno team that now has 14, 13, somewhere around there, now you got a secondary that hasn't got its hands on a lot of footballs this year. So hopefully not as many interceptions going on Saturday. Definitely. Um, and then we got, uh, the Broncos. The other thing too is their D line is legit as well. Um, they lead the Mountain West. They got, they averaged, you know, three and a half sacks per game. They got 18 total already. Um, 
it's Durant, Miles. He leads the Broncos. He's got four. Then they got two other guys with three apiece. So that'll be another question too with the Nevada O line is how uh, how they're going to handle these guys because it's not it's not just one stud. They got multiple studs. They're going to be able to switch in and out and rotate you know inside outside. So that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, well, I'll get to that. That was one of my key matchups as well. Is Boise's front is nice. You want a uh, you want a stat that's going to make you feel warm and fuzzy? Let's do it. Always do. I I don't I don't got one. I got a stat <laughs> that will make you feel the opposite. So Bo- Boise. October games in the Pacific time zone. So keep in mind, Boise not in the Pacific time zone. October games played in the Pacific time zone. The Broncos have won 10 straight. The last time they lost an October game in the Pacific time zone was 2000. Do you know who was that against? At Wazoo. At Wazoo, oh God. <laughs> so you can say, wow, they're really good in October in the Pacific time zone. Or you can say they're due for an L. I say they do for now. I, that I makes agree. me feel. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with the latter there. All right. Favorite <laughs> player on the other roster? Did they have a Wolfgang? No, there was no Wolfgang. No. But I found a guy whose name was not as aggressive, but as confusing. Mm. But you want me to lead it off, or you want to take this go one? Go for it. Go for it. Okay, so I'm gonna butcher this like nobody's business. Good. His name is. Keck and Yoikoa Holomalia Gonzalez. Mm. So I found super, yeah, super random name. Tried to look at some stats on him. Couldn't really see a whole lot. He went to Matter Day, obviously perennial powerhouse in right. California. But I just saw his last name was super long. So I was like, you know what? That'll be an easy one to spot out when I'm at the game on Saturday. But I don't think he's going to play much. I think he's a freshman offensive lineman or something. But. That's my favorite player. All right. Not, not your best work. I think we could have done a little <laughs> bit better than that. We'll take it though. I, I did some legit research on this one. This is my best one so far. All right. All right. I'm looking so, forward so to you it. Got, you got to hear me out on this. I went with redshirt sophomore offensive tackle Ezra Cleveland for, for a number of reasons. Okay. 6'6, 309. When he was a freshman, a redshirt freshman after a redshirt year. So, all right. I'm gonna, I'm eligible now. I'm gonna start playing football now, or I can actually suit up and playing games now. He beats out a senior for the starting job as a redshirt freshman. He ends up playing 1,008 of Boise's 1,011 offensive snaps. Holy! Follow the the following or last year, that mm-hmm. led the country for freshman offensive linemen. I think it was number eight for all offensive linemen, regardless of, of age. For to- for total snaps. For total snaps. When he was in high school. He was a defensive lineman, a nose tackle, nose tackle and mm-hmm. defensive. And he wasn't even planning on playing in college until I, th- I think it was the spring of his senior year. He got a couple offers. He ended up being a two-star recruit. So you have okay. a kid, so you have a kid who wasn't even planning, planning on playing in college, plays, playing nose tackle, gets some offers the spring of his senior year, ends up going to Boise, red shirts a year. Then his first year of eligibility, he beats out a senior for the left tackle job. Most important job. It's pretty, it's pretty, on the cr- that's pretty, line. that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Then you consider the fact that his last name is Cleveland. We've established that we're a Browns podcast. They won again last week. Let's go, baby. Go Browns. Baker. And what really sealed it for me, he went to Bethel High School in Spanway, Washington. Spanway is 15 minutes from none other than the Pacific Lutheran University. Don't say it. Go Lutes, baby. Haven't said the podcast yet. Go Lutes. So – 
uh, for me, Ezra Cleveland, for sure. It's a cool story. J- j- just, but, um, the fact that he was, he has ties to PLU in that area. <laughs> it's part of the made it happen. PY. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's obviously a stud. He's a, I think it was honorable mention all conference last year. He's a preseason all mountain West pick this year. And, uh, so Ezra Cleveland, I feel, I felt good about that one this week. Yeah. That's not bad. Definitely your best, definitely your best work. All right, key matchups in, in this one. I'll I'll lead this one off. You kind of we've kind of hit on it already, but for a second straight week, I'm looking to Nevada's offensive line versus Boise's front. You talked about how talented Boise's front is, how they get after the quarterback. They're number five in the country, three little over three and a half sacks per game. They're only giving up 131 rush yards a game. We don't know exactly what we're going to get at the QB spot, whether it's a, a limping Tygangi or it's a Christian Solano in his second collegiate start. So they need to establish that run game. Couldn't do it last week against Fresno. 43 carries, 132 yards. That's three yards per carry. That's not going to get it done. You, you mm-hmm. can't have Christian Solano throwing the ball 44 times, whatever it was, in his first collegiate start. So the offensive line needs to find a way to get a push against this Boise front, and it might even be tougher than it was last week. So that, that, that certainly is something to look at on Saturday. Definitely. Um, I'm going to say the defensive pressure against Boise's O-line and more specifically Ripon, because if you look at the stats, uh, Ripon, they're, they're Ripon, their quarterback, he obviously did horrible last week against San Diego State. His, I mean, at the half, he was eight of 18 for 51 yards. So it's going to come down to the Nevada defensive front and some of the backers, see if they can get in there. But, I mean, I was looking at their first half, the um, the offensive series for Boise. Mm-hmm. They went punt, interception, punt, touchdown, another interception. Then they went fourth down, fourth turnover on downs. downs. Yep, punt, interception, and then punt in the first half. So – and he was obviously under a lot of pressure. San Diego State was able to get to him. So obviously they're going to, you know, Boise's going to look back on the film and be focusing on those ways that San Diego State was able to penetrate. But if Nevada can find a way to get any sort of pressure like that, then, I mean, that's going to be, uh, that's, that's what I'm thinking is the dagger for their offense. If you could shut him down, then that's going to, obviously, I mean, it's goes without saying you shut the quarterback down, it's going to shut the offense down. But more specifically, especially coming off a bad game too, I mean, that's I want to see I want to see that guy fail. <laughs> well, get, getting to the quarterback is something that Nevada has been pretty good at this year. Mm-hmm. So obviously, hoping that continues again on Saturday. What do you think my go-to is going to be here? It's either going to be tight ends or third down. <laughs> <laughs> I did say something on Twitter because there was a big play to the tight end last week, <laughs> but no, I've, I haven't gone to the tight ends in a few weeks, so I'm going third down defense. Pretty big disparity here. We got strength versus strength. Nevada's third down defense, again, has been stellar this year after an awesome week last week. Now 26%, number seven in the country. I think Fresno's number six. Offensively, Boise converts on third down over half the time. They're number 12 in the country. So strength for strength, when Boise's facing third down, get off the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to call it out to the fans. This next key matchup is people have got to show up for the game. We need to have some sort of support, something that's going to help, you know, uplift. And we can't be having the, what was it? What'd you say? 15,000, 16,000 at the last one? A little over 15,6, yeah. No, little over there. I mean, it's another late game, but it's Boise. People got excited. There's no UFC fight this weekend. There's no excuse. People need to be there to be able to give that little extra edge of the home field advantage. 
Fresno had a lot of people in the stands last week, and just from what I was seeing on Twitter, it, apparently they were audible. You could hear that. You can hear them. And you you can know hear the Fresno that, fans. You know that's going to be the case again on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Boise typically travels well down to Reno, so you know that uh, Nevada needs to put some butts in the seats. Although you don't need the opposing team having a presence in terms yeah, of the fan it's, base. It's, 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 it's not. It's, it's not a not, good look. Yeah. Um, not, yeah, that, I was just about to say that. That's not a good look when your opposing team is able to get some sort of resurgence that makes a, you know, makes themselves known. Right. And that's, that's one of the Twitter questions we got this week. So we will touch on that on, in Twitter questions as well. My last one, you talked about Brett Rippin having a rough game last week. That was kind of an anomaly. He, he really is awesome. Yeah, he's just, I, yeah, I've seen his like other, he's a stud. He, he's a stud. That Boise passing attack is, is legit. And we know that Nevada's secondary is not a strength of this team. Uh, Nevada's given up almost 260 yards per game through the air. That's number 103 in the country. And even after getting completely stuffed last week by San Diego State, Boise's still throwing for over 200 or over 325 yards a game. That's number 10 in the country. Rippin hadn't thrown a pick all season before throwing two. Against San Diego State, Nevada has to get its hands on a couple balls on Saturday. Do you have another one? I'm all I'm all done there. All right, keys to victory in this one. I'll let you start this one. So I don't know. We definitely don't know who's going to be under center, but it's going to be QB play. Is going to be the first one. If, if you know if Ganji goes, I'd be interested to see how they utilize him because he's obviously not going to be moving around a whole lot. And if Solano goes, then I mean he's going to have to play a lot more. I guess. And like we said, it wasn't all his fault, but he's going to have to play a lot more efficiently because this defense is legit. So it's going to, I mean, that's going to be, can we get the ball moving? Right. We got to get, got to get the ball moving on our side. My first one is Nevada needs to slop this game up. They need to play some old school football. If it starts raining, that might be even better for Nevada. It would be bad Mm -hmm. for attendance, but. Nevada needs to play control football. It needs to own time possession. It needs to run the football, something we've talked about already. Force some turnovers. Maybe if Nevada can get a lead early, then Boise State, those thoughts of last week, maybe start creeping in. Because you know Boise yep. State's going to come out swinging. They're going to come out pissed off after last week. And Nevada, you know, they're it's, it's going to be an emotional start to this game. So mm-hmm. can Nevada overcome that initial swelling, that initial storm, and then control the game own a lead early and then force boys to start thinking about, man, it would really suck to lose two straight games. And we, yeah. we, we don't lose in Nevada very often. So, yeah. uh, my, one of my main ones is slop this game up. Yeah. Push them back, put them on their heels. Um, I'm going to say limiting penalties and turnovers. You know, we had three turnovers last I, game. I have a, I have a funny, my next one is funny relating to that, but go That's ahead. That's what it is. <laughs> I was thinking, cause it's, like it's I said, different, it, but yeah. Okay, I was going to say, because thinking about the last game, I looked at it, and obviously I wasn't able to see the game from, you know, I only saw little bits and pieces. And when I saw they only had one penalty for five yards, one, that's insane. You go a whole football game and give, you know, only surrender one penalty. But if they're able to keep it within, you know, maybe just a couple false starts, a couple, you know, holdings here and there, but keep it minimal and then keep the turnovers minimal as well, I mean – I, I like the odds. The way the, def- the way the defense played last week, I think it's going to be more of a motivation for them because they're going to be like, all right, we played that well. We were still you know, that tight with Fresno. So I think they carry it over into this week. And then you just get the offense a little clean, a little efficient, minimize turnovers. 
Next thing you know, everybody's freaking out. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay, I'll skip to the one that I have relating to that because it's super funny. My other point was I think Ganji's got to play if Nevada's going to win this game. But uh my third one is Nevada needs to commit more penalties than Boise in this one. Oh, God. <laughs> hear, hear me out. Some crazy stats here. Under Jay Norvell, when Nevada commits more penalties than its opponent – Nevada's four and one. When it commits, who are the, who are those opponent? Who are those opponents? I don't know. I didn't do that much digging around. However, <laughs> oh, and another add on top of it: when Nevada commits less penalties than its opponent, it's two and nine. So I think the only thing you can draw from those two stats is that Nevada needs to commit more penalties than Boise if it's going to win this game on Saturday. I'd be down for a couple penalties if it was like defensive PI or they were like roughing somebody up. You know, it doesn't I'm matter. Not, I'm. I'm not we, we just need, we just need that laundry, baby. Okay, there you go. There, there's where we can find the common ground. <laughs> Get a couple penalties, rough them up. Obviously, I'm not advocating to hurt anybody, but rough them up. Wow, dude. I can't oh, advocate. No, you can't advocate injury. All right, predictions for Saturday. Uh, you can go first. All right. Well, I don't know if you remember, but I said Nevada was going to win this game, and I don't know who's under center, but I'm still going with it. <laughs> I'm saying 34-31 Nevada. All right. I I picked Fresno last week. So when I made my pick last week, I made it all dramatic, got, got way into it, listed a number of reasons why I think Nevada could win that game. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it this week. <laughs> Boise is coming off a really frustrating loss. You know they're pissed off. You know they had just an awful week of practice. Their defense is legit. We don't know what's going on with Nevada's quarterback situation. I don't think there's a chance they overlook Nevada. Maybe if they're coming off a win, they're feeling good. There's a chance of that. But coming off a loss, I don't think it's going to happen. I I got Boise State comfortably on Saturday. I got Boise 38, Nevada 13. 7.30 kick. It's going to be cold again. What do you got for attendance? Oh, my God. I am just horrified of that pick um for the attendance i'm gonna say it's got, gonna boom, bump up a little bit you got boise there's no ufc fight it's still late it's gonna be cold um i'm gonna say seventeen thousand seven hundred and fifty. Seventeen thousand seven hundred fifty. so you got a seven seven five in there very nice mm-hmm. there you uh, go. i'm going oh i'm a little bit more bullish i, I think the fact that it's a late start doesn't help. The fact it's going to be cold again isn't going to help. But it's Boise. If there's one game that the most casual fan gets excited about, it's the Boise game. So yeah. I, I think they'll show up. I'm still not expecting a huge number. I'm going to go – I put 18-6. If this was a day game, I would go 23-24. I think the, yeah. the late start will shy a bunch of people away. So I'll go 18-6 on Saturday. All right, what do you got for a betting angle? Okay, so when I last looked at the spreads, we got Nevada was plus 17 and the over-under was 62. The line did move a little bit. Um, it's opened at 19 and a half, so it obviously slid towards Nevada favor. So people are paying attention to that. We, you know, we gained two and a half points already. And the over-under opened at 58, so the, it's already jumped four points in the over-under, which is pretty crazy for how yeah. short, you know, it's been out. Um, the couple stats to go with it. I was only looked up stats that back up my prediction, so that's what we got. Um, the underdog in this series is five and two against the spread in the last seven games. Okay. Uh, 
the over is 5 and 0 in Wolfpack's last 5 games after scoring less than 20 points in their previous game. It's hmm. a little nod to the over there. And then this is something I actually looked up cuz the, some of their stats were, you know, kind of hit and miss. But Nevada is 6 and 1 against the spread when the spread is larger than 7. Um Boise State yeah, uh, was favored by 20 last year and they won by 27. Mm-hmm. So the last year was the only if you raised last year there's six and zero in the last spreads when it's larger than seven. Okay. So in in I this like matchup, it. in just this matchup, in okay. just Nevada versus Boise. Okay. So that means you're ta- you're taking the over and Nevada in this one. You're taking the points. I'm taking the points. I'll probably throw a little side bet though, and I'm you know I'm going to money line them because it's going to be big points for money line. Yeah. What's that going to be? Plus three hundred, three fifty. Yeah. I would guess somewhere in that ballpark because it's uh, you know seventh. That's a pretty big spread, so um, that's pretty much what I would guess, probably in the three hundred range. All right, that'll be nice. With my pick, I'm obviously going Boise and let's do some math. I'm going Boise in the under. Last week yeah. went way under in Fresno. The, the stats you gave last week, we all said okay, Fresno in the under. I don't think either of us took Fresno and the under. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> We're not smart. I s- I still have yet to go two for two on a Nevada game. So, <laughs> well, I, I went with Nevada last week money line, and uh, we, we we'll talk about that here <laughs> yeah. in a little bit. But we need to get yeah. to our interview with John Ramey, voice of Nevada. Got him on the show. Really excited. A really fun conversation with John. We covered a lot of bases. Obviously, Nevada football. We even got some Nevada basketball stuff. Um, do you guys know John is a musician on iTunes? Playing some shows. I did not know. We talk about that as well. Okay, John, super excited to have you on the show. I know everyone listening is too because you now are such an important part of the Nevada athletic community. So you've been up in Reno for, has it been a year and a half now? Moved here in early August. It is now middle October. So we'll go with 14 months, give or take. All right, so your perception of Reno, has it changed at all? Is it what you expected it to be? Uh, well, it's certainly uh, a much more thorough understanding of what Reno is in northern Nevada. Uh, I didn't actually know much about Reno. I'd been through. I'd been to Tahoe a handful of times. But I was initially struck and continue to be struck by uh, what a cosmopolitan small city it is. It's not... I just didn't know. I didn't know where I was moving. Uh, and, uh, it's, I, I love it because I like an urban environment. I live downtown. I walk pretty much everywhere I go socially. Nice. Um, so it's great. Nice. So you've been, see, football season, basketball season, football season. The highlight, I would. Oh, don't skip baseball. Don't skip okay, baseball. Okay, don't skip baseball. Don't skip baseballs in there as well. Yeah, regular season conference championship for baseball. I think a lot of people would guess the highlight of that run would have to be the the run the basketball team went on last year, Sweet 16, and just the hoopla that created. Would, would that be the highlight of your professional career at Nevada so far? Yeah, I mean, it has to be. I mean, wins in the NCAA tournament don't grow on trees, and overtime wins over Texas, and come from behind victories over Cincinnati, a two-seed. I mean, those are two... Those are two individual broadcasts that you could go an entire career and not have the opportunity to to call 
And I had two in the same weekend, um, which was, you know, pretty mind blowing. So if you're looking at like that kind of thing, you know, history, context and thinking about my career, I've been fortunate enough to cover three college World Series and two national championships, one for South Carolina against UCLA and one for UCLA against Mississippi State. Um, you know, those were pretty those felt like history because they sure. were. Sure. But, you know, I mean, the tournament March, it's just a different deal. It's like the Super Bowl every weekend. So, yeah. I mean, personal highlight, I don't know, it's hard to say, but those were certainly kind of like peak glory in as, yeah. as far as like athletic um, history headline stuff. Both those games were, the NCAA tournament wins were so exciting. Did you go back and listen to your calls at all? How did you feel about your calls? Uh, much the same way I felt about, um, you know, the College World Series calls. You just, when it's something people are, you, I mean, you in a perfect world you'd say well i'd called it like i'd call an o2 slider in february or you know uh, <laughs> but the reality is you know we all kind of understand in those moments shoot people might remember this and you right. just for me you just want to get the facts right and get out of the way and i thought we did a pretty good job of that nice nice well, ho- well hopefully you'll get another opportunity even again this march all right, um, we'll dig into some Nevada stuff. I want to go, like, people see you on air all the time. They hear you on air all the time. Who's John Ramey when you're not on air? So, like, what, do you, what are you doing when you're not either on air or prepping to be on air? Uh, I I like to ride my motorcycle. It's getting a little bit cold now for that. And right. uh, so I just got a new cover for the bike for the winter. But I rode it today to go do the the football news conference it's it hasn't frozen overnight yet so once it starts freezing overnight you get real i get a real kind of iffy about taking it out on two wheels because you just yeah you know ice and two wheels is not a great deal uh, i like to ride my motorcycle um you know the summertime i was in los angeles making music i'm a musician when i don't do this singer songwriter and i re- write and record uh, and release albums independently I did not know that. I don't know if a lot of listeners. Yeah, not do too. not many not many people do. That's why I have to have a day job. <laughs> <laughs> not not nearly enough people do for me to not have to do other things. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of my summer. I uh, was was doing that. Um, but you know, I'm pretty busy here. We we do a coach's yes. show. We do five uh, Wolfpack dailies every morning. And I know it's just two minutes of content, but you still have to kind of. Put a little, it's more than two minutes of work. Oh yeah, definitely. And, uh, I mean, you understand that. And, yep. but the other thing is, you know, it's such a great community here. And that's really, I mean, honestly, if you ask me what the best part about this has been the people here. I mean, from the minute I arrived, I've been included. People have been great. You know, folks want to hang out outside of work. They want to talk about things. And, uh, you know, Reno is such a, a great place to, hang out so yes it is i i stay pretty busy you know mostly just uh just gallivanting just uh raising <laughs> just raising a little bit of uh racket with the nsn boys and and girls mostly <laughs> well we guess we can circle back to i want i want you finish before we circle back to it. okay wh- where can people find your music is it on itunes you on spotify oh How yeah no it's, it? it's it's john lafayette ramey and uh it's on itunes or you can go to my website john lafayette don't downplay it. We'll see if we can get some, we'll we'll some downloads. I'm not, listen, I'm not here to chill. <laughs> I, I finished, so I did finish my fourth record over the summertime. 
Congratulations. Uh, but I'm not going to put it out till the springtime because okay. I want to be able to go out and play some shows in the summer if, in fact, anybody cares to listen to it. But we'll find out, you know. I'll, I'll hit you up when it's time to promote. Oh, yeah. But that's very, that's very nice of you. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Of course. So another thing you mentioned there, huge deal in Reno for the sports media. Yes, this podcast came out, but really Nevada Sportsnet, the birth of that thing, that thing is going to be a monster, it looks like, in that market. What, what do you make of that, the potential of that? It's got to be an exciting time up there working oh, on that. It's, so first of all, the, the Channel 4 folks – Samudio and Margulies, Delgadio, Shannon Kelly, Brenna Green, before uh, she went to Spokane, mm-hmm. were all so inclusive. Excuse me. We need to edit that. I'm drinking a LaCroix. Excuse me. <clears throat> you were tweeting about LaCroix the other night. Yeah, I know. Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they were all so inclusive and, and very collaborative and, and asked me to contribute to their shows. And, and I had them on uh, pregame shows and and things like that. So it has been um, an ongoing kind of collaboration. And also Alex Margulies works sidelines on the football broadcasts. Yeah. So we work together in that capacity and they started talking about this idea and I know they'd been working on it for quite some time. So it had been whispered and planned about for some time. And, and I just told them, you know, since I heard of it, I said, this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. I would love to help you in any way you can. And in any way I can. And, I think it is a great idea. I think this is a – the fascinating thing about northern Nevada is that it's a big sports market in the the passion department. People care about sports here. Yeah. They're locked in. They really care about their teams. Um, the Aces in 1868 and the Giants and the Bay Area NFL teams in addition to the Wolfpack. And so it's really cool. And, and the high school – football scene here is great yes so i think it actually serves uh, a very specific and broad market in this area it's a very cool thing so i i could not be happier about it from the fans perspective and i just you know me i don't turn down an open microphone so you know <laughs> they've they had me on the nsn daily last week and and i can't wait to get back on there and mix it up because it was a lot of fun yeah, that, that looks like it's going to be an absolute monster in that market. Okay, we'll, we'll move on to some Nevada stuff. But first, I told you I was going to give you a hard time about this. One of the funny things about your, your Twitter presence is you really have an old man yelling at Cloud thing yeah, going I, I on with the uniforms. I, I, now, I just got to tell you, I I appreciate you saying that. I never want to be an old man yelling at a Cloud. I, I, I love bat flips. I love touchdown celebrations. I love the pitchers gesticulating after they strike somebody out. Uh, like I'm not, I'm not a total curmudgeon. So I'm just curious what specifically you're talking about. Oh, you, you are <laughs> in this space and you, and you know it. You can't give me that. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because like one of the things I, saw I just, talking I just about was you were getting your, the Seahawks in their wolf grays and you were saying they need to be on the white on the road. And you're, you're very particular about that. Well, yeah. So there have been these traditions in sports since. You know, the Second World War, let's just say, mm-hmm. uh, 70 years. And it works. Everybody agrees on it. You In baseball, you wear white at home. You wear gray on the road. In football, you wear the colored jerseys at home. You wear the white jerseys on the road. Some teams switch that up, but they stick to tradition, like the Cowboys or the Washington team in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, in basketball, you wear white at home. You wear the non-whites on the road. But 
I just, I, I think it's a great system. I think it, you know, it, I don't under, I am not, I am not somebody who embraces tradition for tradition's sake only. I think there are a lot of traditions in sport and in society that should be relegated to the dustbin of history. I'm not, I'm not anti-change. <laughs> but I do think that sport is a sacred cultural meeting place. And as such, I think some things should be treated respectfully. And the idea that we need to have 13 different jerseys so that we can market them and sell them to every iteration of, you know, casual fan. Yeah. Uh, I understand it's a priority, but I don't, I, I don't necessarily wish to see it cheapen the actual yeah. thing. I feel like it just reduces the the specialness of it. Fair enough. I just I just wanted to get a, a comment from you on it, and I will say, yeah, <laughs> I um, have a lot of thoughts about it. We could probably do. do about a four hour podcast. On it. We can do we can do that the next time we get you on. Um, I will say one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up. I was I've been doing some um, freelancing for the Review Journal down here, and mm-hmm. I was doing a football game on Friday night, and the home team was wearing you'll you'll love this was wearing dark gray uniforms. The numbers were dark red with yeah. like a thin line of yellow trim around the numbers. Okay, so that's a separate issue. I couldn't see, actually, you couldn't see the numbers at all. So this is a separate issue. Okay. This good. isn't this isn't about uh teams wearing white or gray on the road or breaking tradition. There is a separate and equally sinister right, trend. Let's, let's go down this road. <laughs> now now if I designed an airplane without wings and said, wow, look at this. This is so disruptive. This will really play well on Twitter. People are really going to remember this airplane design. I didn't use wings. <laughs> You'd say, well, that's neat, John, but that doesn't seem like a very functional airplane. And and there are times, and thank God the Wolfpack have not done this, and I appreciate the coaches' commitments across the sports to being – you know, traditionalists to a very, degree anyway. Very, yeah. A uniform has two purposes. It's to identify team and it's to identify player, assuming there's a number on it, right? Mm-hmm. Don't, uh, to, if I may use a hip-hop phrase, don't get it twisted, right? Like, the uniform can be something to sell to people and it can be something we can share on social media and it can be something we celebrate. And mm-hmm. all those things are great. But yeah, if you can't read the number easily... It's a failed design. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Yeah, it was. Uh, they were playing too. They're playing a, t- a team that ran the the wing T offense. So it was right. four yards in a cloud of dust. You can't see the numbers. And I almost I almost tweeted you and said I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm witnessing your worst nightmare. This is terrible. Oh. Um, okay, so let's let's jump into some Nevada stuff now. Nevada three and three, one and one. I think. That is where a lot of people probably expected this team to be at through six games. What is your general assessment of the club at the halfway point? I think if you expected that, you're an optimist. I think it's been a really sure. remarkable turnaround. Uh, winning on the road, shoring up the run defense. I mean, those two things are not flukes, and they're not just coin flips. So I think three, three and three right now is... I mean, best case scenario would be six and zero, but for a reasonable person, uh, and certainly for for me, having watched the team from camp 2017 until now, yeah, I think three and three is really good, and you and the and the trends are are 
almost universally positive um, with how the program is growing and the culture that Jay Norvell is cultivating, but specifically the run defense and the physicality. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are, those are two huge things. Okay. Fair enough. An optimist would say it was three and three. I guess I'm, I said at this point, I think I had Nevada beating Fresno in the preseason didn't look so good last week, but you mentioned the defense at air force was awesome last week against Fresno. It was awesome. Again, do you think that's a couple maybe flash in the pans things, or do you see that's maybe something that's sustainable over the rest of the season? Um, it, it is, I hope sustainable. They do have a couple injuries uh, with regard to linebackers. Like I don't think Weber will be able to play this week and it doesn't look like Adam Lopez will be able to play this week. Sorry, Lopez is on the D line. Right. So, you know, injuries are part of the story, but coach Norvell told me something interesting earlier about how the reason he wanted Jeff Castile to be the defensive coordinator was the fact that he had to compete against Castile's defenses at, West Virginia when Norvell was a coordinator in the Big 12 at Oklahoma and at Texas. Interesting. And and I said, what was it about those defenses? And he said, well, you just had to bring your lunch pail. They were just going to come at you all day, and you really had to wear it. And he said he's starting to see that now from the the attitude of the defense. There's a different level of pride. There's a different approach to it. Um, these are all very qualitative things. But – they hit harder now than they did last year. And, you know, the Vanderbilt game, they did get worn down, but they had a very good half at Vanderbilt. And they had a pretty good half at Toledo, to be honest, without a few back-breaking special teams mishaps. That mm-hmm. might have been a different outcome. Prior to Air Force, and certainly before the Fresno State uh, display defensively, I still was skeptical about the defense's ability to play four quarters. Sure. Now I'm all in now. They just held Fresno State to 30 yards rushing. Fresno State's really good. Fresno State's really good. They average more than 165 yards rushing coming into that game. Yeah. So I, you know, maybe I'm the optimist, but but I'm buying. I'm buying the pack defense, especially the run defense. Uh, if you look at the other side of the ball, I think one of the standouts. I don't know if it's a huge surprise, but anytime you see a true freshman make that big of a splash, talking about Toa Tau, it's going to be impressive regardless. Did you see that coming just from fall camp? Did you anticipate he make this much of a splash or were you maybe even a little bit surprised about how much success he's had? Oh no, no, I saw none of it coming. I, I assume wow. all freshmen are terrible until proven otherwise. <laughs> I just, I, you know, like I've seen a lot of good high school athletes, but to do it at this level is another deal. Now, Toa Tawa had lineage and, and there, you know, was clearly some, idea that he might in fact be very good but how good he's been to this point this early i i was definitely surprised by but not only is he effective and and he runs with power and he can run in between the tackles but he's got great agility he can leap over guys he has breakaway speed he has pretty good hands catching the ball but for coach norvell and matt mummy now to have a physical downhill runner that can run in between the tackles against teams really allows them to flex their muscles uh, with their game plans. And, and Coach Norvell gets borderline emotional when you hear him talk about <laughs> how great it is to have that balance in that run game, especially in between the tackles. He he loves it, not only for what it is, but for what it's going to mean for the offense going forward now in the second half of the season. Would you, at the halfway point, would you say he's team MVP so far, or would you go elsewhere? It's a great question. 
Football's a team sport, man. Hard to say. <laughs> um, you I'm, see, you... I'm, I couldn't, I, it's hard to say. I mean, you might, you might want to say Calais Meyer. Hmm. Right? Started in at center for Kreps, who's an all league guy for the first four games, and now is seeing a lot of action at guard. And this was a guy that was playing defensive line Crazy. very recently. Crazy. So I don't know. That's not sexy. Nobody wants to talk about the O line, but <laughs> I work. But I work with Edwards, Mike Edwards, who is an all conference O lineman here before going on to be a professional. Right. And Angus McClure is the new assistant head coach and O line coach in year one here. But it's his second stint at Nevada, and Mike played with him back when Angus was here in the 90s. And I worked with Angus at UCLA. So I'm like, I'm all in on the union now. <laughs> Honorary member, it sounds like. Not, well, no, 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 no. I wouldn't say that. But I just, I pay attention. I'm not. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you, Okay, no. I'll say, you're more involved than most. We'll put it that way. Yeah, we'll and I'm, I'm just like, I'm like their number one fan. There you go. Fair enough. All right, we're recording this Monday evening. This is going to come out Wednesday night, so not a ton of time to prep for Boise. Last year at Boise wasn't a great showing, pretty lopsided. But considering how the defense is playing, we don't know if Ganji is going to go. Do you have any sort of feel for what that game might look like or what it should look like? Or does that really going to depend on if Ganji goes? Um, clearly Ganji will impact Nevada's kind of paths to victory. If he's not available, then I don't, if he's not available, I don't think Nevada can kind of count on scoring more than 24 points. It's, it's another good right? Boise just, defense. Boise's defense is legit too. Right. And. Boise just lost a defensive dogfight at home to San Diego State, right? They lost 19 to 13. So yeah. in addition to coming off a loss, they're going to have something to prove offensively. Yeah. But I don't think that it's all doom and gloom for the pack. Um, their ability to rush the passer this year has been way better than it was last year. And yes. so that negates what Rippon can do. That negates what they can do in the passing game a little bit if they can get that going. If the pack can play, it's so funny, you know, they, especially if Ganji can't play, if, if Nevada can do what they did to Air Force or play that style of game, right. then they do put themselves in a position to at least, um, I'd say more than a puncher's chance for sure. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, it's old school football, but if you can get a lead, control possession, play defense, you know, a lot of teams, fold under those circumstances and good teams, you know, on the road behind mm -hmm. in the second half. If you can systematically kind of methodically bring about circumstances that make it uncomfortable for Boise state, then yeah, there, there are paths to victory for Nevada, but without Ganji, it's going to be a lot less explosive potentially. Sure. What would you make of Solano last week making his, his first start? I was actually impressed. It's funny. He threw three interceptions. One was, a miscommunication with a receiver. One was a really good play by uh, Fresno State, and one was a high school throwaway that he, you know, this was his first start at yeah. the collegiate level. And you see this a lot with first-year players or guys in their first college action. They're scrambling. They're running out of time. Oh, they want to unload it. And to throw it away in high school, you can just kind of throw it over the secondary. You yep. don't necessarily have to throw it out of bounds. But because in college those guys in the secondary are athletic, they can go get your ball. They can go run it down, and that's what happened on 
on one of the interceptions. So I think Solano will have learned little things like that, how to throw the ball away, a little bit better decision-making, a little bit cleaner on the communication also when he gets the team to the line and yeah. you know wants to make adjustments as he sees the defensive set. I thought his body language was good. I thought his poise was good. He was mobile. He made all the throws he needed to make. Um, and I, was, I talked extensively with Coach Norvell about that, both for our uh, coaches show and also just off the air. Um, he was much better than I was kind of anticipating. Yeah, some people probably are probably complaining, but that is a legit Fresno defense. That's your first collegiate start. That's a brutal ask of someone. I, I thought he looked oh. pretty sharp also. Yeah, no, and he, you know, I mean, as the game wore on and the pack got further behind and also the Fresno State defense was making adjustments, uh, his performance declined. But out of the gate, he he was not overwhelmed by the situation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, little things coaches talk about, body language, poise, you know, things that bloggers like to hate on because it's kind of it's kind of inside ball. Yeah. But it but it's true. That's that's what the coaches talk about. Coach Norvell uses the term clear-eyed. Uh, I was actually quite impressed with Solano. All right, you ready to switch up to some hoops real quick before you get out of here? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. You look at this roster, I don't need to tell you how excited people are for, for this season. The, the talent, the schedule is awesome. They're going to be a top 10 team in, in both polls to start the season. Is there anything when you, you when you look at this roster, this team, this season, you look at it and say that's what I'm excited about? Or are you just more excited about this the collective winter that's coming for Nevada basketball? Uh, I'd have to say just the collective the yeah. collective season. Um, uh, the expectations are high, and the really cool thing is Musselman and crew have embraced it. Coach Musselman mm-hmm. has said, "Look, we're not going to shy away from this. This is a big deal for this program, for this community to be held in national regard." So we're going to run with it, and um, they've met it head on, and it's really cool. I mean, I assume it's like living in Dallas. I've said this a couple times now. Like, it's never not cowboy season when you live in Dallas. Yeah, it is not stopped being Nevada basketball season mm-hmm. uh, just because the season ended in the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, it's been basketball season since March. So it'll be fun to actually see them out there on the floor playing against other teams. They're speaking of other teams. I, I mentioned briefly the non-conference schedule. It's it's awesome this year. I think I've seen a few people say it's the best non-power five non-conference schedule. Are, are there any games in particular that you're looking forward to? There's three Pac-12 games in there. Any ones you have circled? It's October, man. Come on, <laughs> come on. All right, okay. So we got at Loyola Chicago. So rematch of Sweet Sixteen. Oh yeah, okay. No, let me look at it. Let me think about it. We got. Uh, at I mean, USC. Go, go to Chicago. We'll go to Chicago. We're going to L.A. It's going to be great. Uh, yeah. Grand Canyon will be better than people realize. That's a better game than people realize. Yeah. Um, Thunder Dan Marley's their head coach, and and they're actually uh, that's a tough place to play. Uh, that's at. Grand Canyon, right? I'm not. I'm literally not looking at the schedule right now. I, be, I believe so. I just wrote down okay. a few of the big ones because you also. Got, I don't know. You, you got you at gotta USC. Wh- you gotta wh- Go ahead. Yeah. I would say you got at USC. South Dakota State was a good team last year. They're coming to Reno. You got at Utah, Arizona State, and LA. And I think the opener against BYU is pretty intriguing, honestly. For sure, but don't overlook at U- at Utah. Huntsman Center is a very tough place to win. Yeah, that, that's that, a Pac-12 team on the road. That's awesome for this. That'll team. be a great one. Uh, I mean, I again, I have taken because the anticipation and because the expectations are so 
frenzied around this basketball team. I have gone like in kind of complete Phil Jackson mode, like just win the next possession. So I'm almost <laughs> like I'm almost like burying my head in the sand about it, uh, which is why I'm like, oh yeah, what's the non-conference schedule? I know they're in LA for a week. I know we go to Chicago. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think just to kind of counteract the expectation, because the expectations are really kind of crazy right now. They are. Um, but not necessarily irresponsibly crazy. You know, this, this is a team that is that good. Mm-hmm. But it's just hard to tell. I mean, and it's, who knows what happens in the tournament in March, too. You know, this team has to do a lot of work just to get there. I, I think what suits this team, and part of the reason why the hype is so crazy, the NCAA tournament is about matchups. And this is a this is a lineup that can play a lot of different styles of basketball. They That's get, exactly right. They can get That's real exactly small. Right. They can get real big. Um, so, like you said, they get to get there though. What, yeah, what, but go for great it. team. Great teams can win in different ways, and that's true across all sports. Yeah. And so, and so, if Nevada can have that kind of uh, chameleon-like ability to win this year that we expect they will, um, that's going to be awesome. With expectations, what they are, and we've talked about the hype, how crazy it is. If you could pimp, do you have a ballpark idea of saying Nevada has to finish somewhere in this area, has to go this far in March for fans to be happy? Cause I feel like this is one of those things where it almost, it's, the expectations get so crazy that it becomes almost a doomsday scenario. I mean, the idea that you've got to advance beyond the Sweet 16 or it's a disappointing season. For anywhere that isn't, you know, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas. It's nuts. Is crazy. Um, you know, I worked at UCLA before I had this job. Steve mm-hmm. Alford's taken him to three sweet, sweet 16s in four years, and people wanted to get rid of him. You know, that, that's crazy. I mean, that tournament, that tournament is single elimination. So, yeah, if the packet back to the Sweet 16 and that's it, I just don't see how you can say that's a disappointing season. Mm-hmm. I would um, agree with you. There's many people listening who are going to say they need to get past the Sweet 16. <laughs> I mean, sure, but it's not, you know, it, it's not a best of seven situation. It's not uh, a best of three. I mean, it's 40 minutes. You know, a couple dubious foul calls, couple open looks that don't fall from three. And, I mean, it just gets away from you so quickly. Yeah. So I mean, that's why it's, that's why it's a great tournament. They're all, it's all game seven. I was just going to say, it's why it's awesome. So there's so much chaos. Tough to be a favorite in that tournament. All right. Last question, John, I'll get you out of here. You mentioned putting your head in the sand about Nevada basketball. Right, how, 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 <laughs> can you, can you lead with that, please? Nevada play by play voice says head is in the stand about preseason top 10 team. I'm glad. A, I hope, I hope, yeah. That, that, Oh, that, 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 and, um, and I'm not a communist about uniforms. Yeah. Also, I'm not a communist. Oh God. I'm going to be employed for about 72 hours after this comes out. I was hoping to get you back on the pod. I don't know if we will get that after today. No. Um, how, are you getting a ton of people asking you about must staying or going? Cause I feel like that's all anyone talks about other than how awesome the team is going to be next year. Yes. And that actually was going on last year too. And mm-hmm. I'll say this, I'll say this about Eric Musselman. He is not a young coach. He has already been a young coach in the NBA twice. He's been an assistant at high-level jobs in college uh, and in the NBA. His father was a Power Five conference college basketball coach and an NBA head coach. So his sense of what a good job is and what 
a better job than Nevada might potentially be is a lot more honed than I think people may generally think. Mm. So if I'm Eric Musselman, and I'm not, I have a real specific set of circumstances that would need to be present for it to be better than this job where he's got the town. I mean, he's Elvis in northern Nevada. Yep. He just sold out the season. Crazy. Uh, I mean, where's he going to do that? He's not going to do that at UCLA or USC. Not going to do that at Cal or Stanford. Nope. I mean, let's. I mean, let's be honest. Like, where where is he going to replicate this in the region? Right? I mean, I don't know. Is Kentucky going to hire him next year? Sure, that's crazy. You know, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, in the realm of like possible things that could happen, I don't know that a better job for Eric Musselman is is uh, immediately on the horizon. Now, this is completely my own opinion, and. Sure. You know, I, but I just, I think about it in those terms, you know, coaching is really stressful mm-hmm. and he has a circumstance here that, that he has curated and he has credibility with the community and he has great relationships with the community and the administration and the student fan base here with the must bus is big. I mean, these are all special things and it doesn't just happen everywhere. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. You got. You need to have. You would think some circumstances you're looking for, and what has he not created here that checks a lot of those boxes? He's starting to be able to schedule now. That was a problem when he first got got here. He's starting to be able to recruit here. He's put together some facilities here. He has backing from the community. He's winning here. I mean, a lot that checks a lot of boxes for a coach. This the, the ultimate trump card. Ultimately, will be who can write the biggest check, and I think that will be what maybe makes a decision one day. But for Nevada fans. Seriously, we need to not worry about that right now. Like, ride the wave. And <laughs> as a top 10 team in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, you know, the seasons like this don't come along too often anywhere, even at the Blue Bloods in the sport. So I'd say appreciate it. But, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I haven't been here as long as Musselman has, but I mean, this is a pretty great place to, to live and to do your job. So I think Nevada fans should remember that when they maybe worry about him going away. Yeah. I think they've done what they can. I mean, to support someone, try to get them to stay, you, you invest in the program, and, and you mentioned selling out season tickets. That's absolutely bananas. Um, going to be a super fun year regardless. Super fun finish, hopefully, to the football season. See if Nevada can get into a bowl game this year. John, thank you so much for coming to the pod. Hopefully, we still got a job for you. It's a podcast. We can maybe edit some of that stuff out. Maybe we won't. Whatever. Awesome having you on, though. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Um. Oh, before we get out of here, real quick. Yeah. Uh. People can obviously follow you on Twitter. Where do you Where do you want people to connect with you at? Oh, at Wolf underscore Pack underscore Radio. And then one more plug for your for your iTunes channel. Uh, stop it, man. Come on, it's John <laughs> Lafayette. John Lafayette Ramey dot com or uh, just John Lafayette Ramey on iTunes. And uh, I also want to plug uh, Alex Margulies and I are going to call that Silver and Blue scrimmage on Thursday. Oh, that's right. Um, that's gonna be fun. That'll, 5.30 on Nevada Sportsnet. Very cool. All right, we'll be checking that out. John, again, thank you so much, man. You got it. Okay, let's jump into some slants. 
We'll start with a new one. We'll do this one really briefly. We'll call this one something stupid we said because <laughs> I said on Twitter, look, we said something really stupid, but it's not going to be the last time. Like that partly oh. is what this podcast is going to end up it's being. A, it's inevitable. You, you get two of us, you get both of us talking for a period of time. We're going to say something dumb. We're going to say something dumb. So we were talking about capacity at Lawler Event Center and there was a day when I could, if someone asked me, I would have said on the nose, this is what the number is. But I've been removed from that scene for a little bit. I haven't looked over any box scores in a while. And you asked me, what's the capacity at Lawler? We're talking about what the attendance would be for the Washington exhibition. And I said, I think it's somewhere around like 18,000. And I wasn't even close. Not even close. I think, <laughs> I think it was Lemieux on Twitter pointed out, uh, attendance is, or capacity is 11,536. So, that's embarrassing, but we're going to own it. <laughs> we will be better. I promise you I'll never get that number wrong again. <laughs> Wear and, like a badge uh, of honor. And uh, not great. <laughs> not no, great. We just swing and a miss on that one. We did. <laughs> I, I don't even know if it was a swing. It was – we didn't even try to swing. We might as well just turn around and walk back to the dugout. Uh, that yeah. was brutal. Something else, it wasn't terrible. Well, it ended up being terrible. But I picked Nevada to win straight up last week. I also said I think Ganji's going to play, and those also were over too. So, not a, a hot, hot show for me last week. You were bumbling through a bunch of stuff. It yeah, was, it was just uh, not Shout Shel- Shel- Brothers didn't have a good performance last not, week. Not our best effort. Not even a little <laughs> bit. Games of the weekend. Do you want to start? Yeah, so I'll just rifle through mine real quick. I kind of did the same thing. I picked a couple NFL, a couple college. Um. The games I like, Wisconsin at Michigan, that's going to be a, a huge Big Ten matchup this weekend. Mm-hmm. I tried to stay away from it. I couldn't, but I am excited for Washington at Oregon. I, you know, I can't, the last time they played at Autzen, I can't remember what the final score is. I know they smoked them or something. 70 but, to 21. I'll never forget that score. Yeah, I know they just absolutely throttled them, but that's going to be another great game I'm looking forward to. And then, uh, Georgia at LSU. Uh, LSU definitely had a disappointing mm-hmm. loss last weekend. I'm looking for them to bounce back. Georgia is number two in the country right now. Coach O, <laughs> I got faith. But those spreads, you got Michigan's favored by eight. Um, over-unders 47 and a half. Washington's actually favored by three and has an over-under 57 and a half in that game. And then Georgia's favored by three, uh, over-under 50. Is what what we got on those spreads, and then I don't know. You want to talk about your college games before we dig in NFL? Yeah. So I had a couple of the same ones: Wisconsin at Michigan, two top fifteen teams, the Big Ten, uh, four thirty kick on ABC. Definitely Washington at Oregon. Dogs number seven, Ducks number seventeen. I'm not gonna lie, I'm nervous. I'm kind of freaking out. You know what you said the last time we talked about the dogs game? What? Was when we're they're about to play BYU and you say you didn't feel good, yeah, they and they up. ended up smacking. So because you say you don't feel good, I feel great, dude. The Ducks are legit. They should have beat Stanford. If they 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 win that Stanford game, they're probably a top ten team right now. You know, Austin's going absolutely bananas. It's Washington. As much as I love our squad. They've, yeah, they, they, have, yeah. they, they haven't hit, the, they haven't we're, like hit their stride yet. It's been clunky we're, we're the entire with this season. Card. Oregon, uh, Oregon proved they lost to Stanford. They couldn't do it. Washington's still still going. We just have that one little knock losing to Auburn. 
I don't love it. We, okay. I'm, I'm, end, I'm, I'm ending your talk right now on dog and Washington. All right, move on. Fair enough. Game, I got, go I got one it. more college game. Hawaii at BYU. I'm, I'm interested in this one. Hawaii is six and one. BYU was ranked, and then they got smacked by UW, and they got smacked again last week at uh, Utah State. I think they were at home against Utah State. Mm-hmm. So I was interested to see when at least when I looked up the line, BYU was favored by two touchdowns at home against a six and one Hawaii okay. team, which is kind of a head scratch. Cole McDonald, their stud quarterback, they didn't know who's going to play. It sounds like he is going to play on Saturday, but that's a that's a kind of a big game for the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. How's Hawaii? We still don't really know where Hawaii fits in this big picture. They're six and one. They haven't really played anyone though. Yeah. So th- this would th- I would say this is one of Hawaii's first true real tests. At, well, they almost at lost to San Jose State. Was it last week or the weekend yeah, before? The, the five overtime game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm kind of I'm curious about that one. That's kind of what I'm looking. I'm circling as well. What about on okay. Sunday for you? Um, on Sunday I got. You know, I don't know what it is. The NFL. I was looking at the games again last night. There's nothing real. I think part of it goes with the Seahawks not being very good. That I'm not really as excited. Looked pretty good in the L last week. I'll say that. Yeah. Okay. I'll, well, I'll agree to that. They did look pretty good in that L to the Rams. But the game, I got, I got two games. Um, Chiefs first Patriots. I think that kind of goes without saying. Mm-hmm. You know, Sunday night game. Mahomes has been electric. Playing the Patriots, who have kind of been. You know, they're getting better. They were bad to start. They're kind of figuring it out offensively now. Yeah, which is what you expect of the Patriots. And like, I don't know if you remember, this is the game. Well, it was last week. I think it was when it time frame wise, when they, the Patriots lost to the Chiefs last year and everyone was declaring the Patriots dead and that their, the, their time frame was over. Yeah. So I think it's kind of a repeat of last game. It'll be more, or last year. It'll be more interesting with Mahomes going, but Pats are favored by three and a half over under is 59. I haven't really looked. Decided too much yet. What am I going to do with those games? Um, and then the other one, going back to the well, Browns. Chargers versus Browns. I love it. <laughs> uh, I think I was looking into it. I think the Browns win that game. Last I saw, the Chargers were favored by a point. Yeah, it's a one-point one, so spread. basically a pick em. Basically a pick em. Um, The Browns' defense is sneakily good. So if he's available in anybody's fantasy leagues – Keep them in their bench. Don't start them. Just keep them in there because they have, they're definitely flying under the radar. But what, um, God, what the, Greg Williams, their defensive coordinator, what he's doing in Cleveland, he's really turning around. So they're, I mean, they're not just for the whole, uh, uh, not just for the whole HBO series and stuff, but it's, they've just been entertaining to watch this year. Well, in fairness, how many years in a row do you need to pick number one before you start putting some dudes out there and you start getting some talent? <laughs> Yeah. That that was one of the games I have circled as well because those are two teams that the coaches you just, you watch a game like what the hell are they doing between yeah. Hugh Jackson and, and Lance Lynn? So I think there's a possibility that in the final two minutes of this one that just the weirdest shit of the season happens, just well, absolute you know, catastrophe, chaos. In those games, like you know, I don't, I definitely don't think Hugh Jackson's the answer to you know success and clear. I think he's fine for the time being while they're kind of figuring out. But like, whenever they cut to him on on the side, like he always looks like he's just just lost. Okay, so they like, ki- they kicked the game winning field goal last week, mm-hmm. and, and that was a shit show in of itself. It, it got blo- did it get blocked or did he just chunk it? Uh, I never be- saw a slow mo. Yeah, here did I. So he makes the game winning field goal. Game over. Hugh Jackson thinks there's two seconds left and is holding up the two. Like, bro, it's overtime. It, it game's yeah. over. 
yeah, I did see that, and I'm just like, what in the mu-? the one counter I've heard people saying like, oh, he's holding up how many games they've won or something, but I'm like, I I think he <laughs> was just even, so that's lost. Even, that's even worse. That's what I'm saying. I just think he was so lost in the moment that he was like, wait, we have the lead again. Like, what the hell? What's, what's happening? Yeah, yeah, so so that game for sure is one I'm looking forward to. You mentioned Chiefs, Chiefs, Pats. Also, a fun one in the AFC North. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Bengals are legit this year. Mm-hmm. They're very about two and a half. I love. I got Mixon. He's been great for fantasy. All right, thirty second gambling slash fantasy complaints. I think you usually go first in this one. Yeah, I will go first. And for I think I think we skipped it last week. I got no mm, complaints. I, I'm I'm five and zero in one of my leagues. I'm three and two in our league. I won with eighty points last week. I love it, but I'm struggling with my lineup collectively. My bench, five players on my bench, outscored my entire starting lineup last week. I played Albert. He scored sixty nine points. He sucks. And mm-hmm. the only other thing I had to say about fantasy is I got Lashawn McCoy in one of my leagues, and he finally did something last week. And they're talking about him getting traded to the Eagles. Yeah. Yes, please get him off that Bills offense. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah, because JJ just tore his ACL. Yeah, all right, what do you got? All right. You, you start the timer, I, got the, I guess? I got, I got the timer ready to go. Okay. I'm going to go nice and slow again like I did last week. But it is so frustrating when in our league I am top three score and I've had the hardest schedule. In my 12-man PPR league, I have, I'm have i the third highest score again in that one, and I've had the hardest schedule. And it's so frustrating watching teams like you score 80 points and win, mm. and I'm putting up 110 almost and losing on a consistent basis. In our league, I've gotten 120-plus scored on me the last two weeks. Other my other league, it's like 140. The last three. I can't. It's just I can't nah, not. You're done. you're done. You suck. You need to get a defense. I think that's the only solution to that. Like yeah, you need to quit. You need to quit complaining and just figure out how to play some defense. Yeah. All right. We'll jump yeah. into some Twitter questions here. Um, we got how many? Did we get one, two, three, four, five. We got five this week. Fake Matt Mummy, by the way, got it in at the buzzer. I was mm. scared. I was scared we weren't going to get one this week. That'd have been the first time What's... in forever. So we'll start with his. What was, the t- what was the time on his response? He got it to us at 4.59 p.m. It's 6.07 Ooh. right now. We've been recording Buzz- for 45 minutes. Buzzer beater. So he says, it's going to be a tough one. What is the great- the greatest trailer for a shitty movie? That's the first oh one. And why are Boise fans so arrogant? They live in Idaho. Dot, 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 dot. Okay. So greatest trailer for a shitty movie, I have absolutely nothing. I can't mm-hmm. tell you one memorable trailer I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I'm going to put as a collective. So when we were growing up, remember they always had those movies like the superhero movie and they're basically like scary movies. Like I thought scary movies were all right, but they had those like kind of weird movies where they like meshed a bunch of things from different movies and like the trailers were always funny because they had like the little jokes but those jokes ended up always being like the one funny part of each movie like i know they oh, had like yeah. a sn- they always had like knockoffs like snake on snakes on a plane i know it was on one of them and i can't i can't remember any of these titles of the movies but i just remember growing up and anytime you i watched one i was always disappointed i'm gonna be honest i have no idea what in the hell you're talking about Oh my god! I'm gonna have to look it up. They're called like superhero. It's they're basically like scary movie, like how scary movie has 
little tidbits from other movies oh, in them. Oh, I got what you're saying. They were, and they always had like D-list actors or C, like people who were never big, so you never, you know, mm-hmm. there's never as much invested into it. Okay. But what was what was the other part of the, the question? The second question is, why are Boise State fans so arrogant? They live in Idaho. You got anything for this one? You know, I I wonder that same thing. Uh, actually, one of the times I got reamed the heart, like yelled at the hardest in college, was in the KC. I was talking with my one of my buddies, and we were talking about how who the hell would ever want to live in Boise. And this dude stood up and started yelling at us because he was from Boise, and how we need to respect the whatever respect where he's from. I was like, oh my god. I don't know how he has that much pride in, in that, you know, coming from Boise. Do you so. think you'd ever have french fries without us? Do you think yeah. you'd ever have french fries without us? Well, he was just like, I come from Boise and I don't appreciate you talking like this. Like, we're, you know, we're great people. I was like, okay, dude, you got to take it easy. Like, we're just talking smack. You seem a little he, sensitive, Boise. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't know where that pride comes from. So, I am also curious. It, truthfully, it has to come from the football program. And it has to come from... The Fiesta Bowl, whatever it was, that had to be the starting point of it, I would think. At least yeah. where it really got out of out of control, if it is out of mm-hmm. control, if you want to say it's out of control. I remember that upset. That's one of the most memorable college games ever for me. The Statue of Liberty, what was it, Zambransky, the quarterback, and yeah, something I don't, like that. Ian Johnson. The, the, Ian Johnson was number 41, I think, the running back. He scores a touchdown, proposes to his girlfriend. It's like, what yeah. in the hell is happening? Like that, That's straight out of a movie. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Uh, Tony asks, do you go back to Ganji this week even though he is not healthy? We talked about this a little bit. I think if Norvell has faith in the O-line that will be able to protect him, I say go for it, but I think if there's any concern that they're just going to be overpowered and he's going to begin, you know, lit up a lot, then I would say, nah, sit, rest him another week. Norvell said he sat Ganji last week because he didn't feel like Ty can protect himself. If Ty can protect himself this week, if he can move around, because we know Boise gets after the quarterback, we talked about how many sacks they have this year, then you probably let him go. But if, if he's really limping around, I think you have to go back to Christian Solano. Mm-hmm. Miles, we know Miles. Miles is up, dude. He asks, what can a school do about a lack of student attendance at football games? This is a good question. You want to take this one or do you want me? I'll start with this one. I feel, I think we're going to have the same answer here. Okay. There's a couple different things that I thought of. Number one, start winning football games. That is the biggest indicator. When you're winning games, people are going to show up. How many students were going to basketball games in the last couple of years of the David Carter era? Not many. Mm-hmm. How many are going now? They're probably going to sell out Virginia Street Gym on Thursday, whenever you guys listen to this. And that's for a scrimmage, inter-squad scrimmage. So the first thing that you can do is win. The second thing that really impacted student attendance was Nevada cracking down on the tailgating. So you can understand why Nevada did it, but that takes away a lot of the the shine, the, the fun for students. Going to Nevada games. Tailgating. It's part of college football as a collective. But there is liability in it, and there's probably, I'd venture to say, half if not more aren't 21. So you can you know why Nevada did it, but it didn't do attendance any favors from a student perspective. Do you have any other ones that you would add to that? Well, going back to the tailgate, there's ways to go around that. I mean, the big thing was they used to have this all-Greek tailgate, and it was like the most fun every week. You know, 
And they had, I think the reasoning for shutting it down was that like there was trash everywhere. But if you look at it, they had like supplied one trash can or one dumpster out was for the area. And there was hundreds of kids. So simple answer to that is gate off a section, have it people be ID'd to get in. Yeah. A couple of, maybe they'll sneak in with fakes or whatever. And you're going to get kids underage in there, you know, but probably, but definitely yeah. not in the quantity that it was. And basically what's happened is the university is like, in my mind, kind of, I shut down that whole notion. And isn't I, in my, I obviously I'm not going to school anymore. So I don't know all the ins and outs of the student, you know, unions or whatever, right. but they're not really listening to what, you know, something maybe find a middle ground. Cause obviously uh, the drinking, you know, it does lead to problems and, you know, in some cases, but until the university is open to finding some sort of common ground, that's going to be willing to, you know, steer kids from just drinking, you know, at their houses, sitting on the couches with buddies and then instead going to Mackie. I mean, it's not going to be until the university starts pulling their weight as well. Cause if they're sitting there with a blind eye and pretend they're not seeing that there's a bunch of kids that, you know, would like to go to the game, but they're, like you said, they're getting, they're ruined of that tailgating experience, which is part of the college experience, I'd argue. And so, I mean, Absolutely. yeah. All right. Uh, Jared asks, Nevada hoops loses a lot of seniors after this year and maybe a freshman. What do they need to do recruiting wise? So I wrote down the names of everyone that Nevada is losing and could potentially lose next year. And it's not a short list. Both the Martin twins, they're gone. Jordan Caroline, he's graduating. Trey Porter, who a lot of people think is going to make a big impact this year. He'll be done. Jordan Brown, the freshman five star recruit. He's already said he wants to be a one and done. I think no one can even ex- have any sort of expectation that he'll be back next year. So Jordan Brown, Jordan Brown, like he's going to be gone. Corey Henson, Trayshawn Thor- Thurman, Lindsey Drew, is he going to play this year or is he going to redshirt? If he plays this year, he'll be done. David Cunningham, our favorite walk on, he's a senior, he'll be gone. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's potentially nine guys that might be off of this year's roster the following season. There's a, a couple freshmen this year. There's a couple transfers who are sitting this year out. There's a couple juniors. But other than that, you got a ton of scholarship spots up for grabs. I don't think Nevada has signed anyone yet or has gotten a, at least a verbal commitment from anyone yet. It's easier to recruit at Nevada now, certainly. When you enter the season with the top 10, uh, top 10 ranking, whatever pool you're looking at, you go to a sweet 16, get all sorts of, uh, visual exposure or just exposure flat out period, but there are a ton of open spots and what Nevada needs to do explicitly. I don't know if there's one exact thing. There's going to be a lot of spots. Who's going to bring the ball up the court. Who's going to be the three point shooters. Who are going to go two down low. You start looking at that roster the following season and, uh, must got to figure a couple things out. I don't want to play the conspiracy theorist scenario, but for those who don't think Moss is coming back next year, what's left in the cupboard would maybe be indicative of that. We'll see. We'll see what happens if he can get some guys to sign here the next month or so. Last question from Austin. Should people reevaluate Drew Brees in the GOAT discussion? I think he's done the most with the quality of teams he's played with. You got a thought on this, bro? Yeah, I think he's up there for sure. Uh, he's got what? Does he have one Super Bowl? He's got one. Is that one? Yeah, I mean, anytime I think you're, you know, you're top of the league, you get a ring, you definitely get thrown in that discussion. Um, the Saints, they always, in my mind, the way I perceive them is that they're that team that's, they're always right there, but, you know, they haven't been able to close it. I think 
greatest of all time in the league. I definitely have a hard time with that. I'm a little more biased towards a couple different players. Um, but, um, I would put, ultimately, I'll put Breeze all time. God, that's you, tough. So you, you got, probably, you got him in the realm. In this I got space. him, I got him probably top five. Okay. He sets the all time passing record on mm-hmm. Monday Night Football. So, there is unbelievable recency bias going on right now. It's easy to look at him like, man, he, he's awesome. He threw for how many yards? It, yeah. He's amazing. There's no question that Drew Brees is amazing. But when has anyone ever said that he's even the best in the league right now? Has anyone ever said that? Yeah. So how are we going to say that he's one of the greatest of all time? Like the six of the top seven leaders in terms of career passing yards are still playing. Mm-hmm. Like, well, let, that's, let's not pretend, let's not pretend that the way that football is changing hasn't helped these quarterbacks. That's and, what I was going to say. That's you know, what I was going to say. It's the style of offense is. I'm not dumping on Drew Brees. He's so easy to love. He's a great guy. That's what everyone who meets him or has talked about him has said. His message to his kids during the game was something that everyone can relate to or can at least be inspired by. That if you work, if you're willing to work for it, you can accomplish anything. And I think everyone wants to believe that. So just his originality, his authenticity, what he did for that city of New Orleans, where that city was, overcomes mm-hmm. a shoulder injury. He's been told no his entire career. He's so easy to root for. But one of the greatest of all time, he's in the conversation. But, but I'll counter that argument with the recency bias is you look at how the sports are progressing, though, and even though like the offenses are changing, the sport is way harder now than it was in the 80s. So that's the argument I have is like when you look at – what, what, what do you mean the sport's way harder now? I'm saying if you look back in the 80s, just the way how much better of athletes everybody is now, the game's way faster than it ever was. So you look at some of these quarterbacks because you'll hear, you'll hear some of the older generations arguing, you know, maybe Marino or Terry Bradshaw or something like that. And I'm not saying they Joe aren't Montana. great. Joe Montana. But I'm saying that the level of play ha- is way higher now than it was then. It's more involved, I, I would say. There's way more film study. You gotta be way more intellectually into it to be successful now. But yeah, you, so you, you also have way more at your disposal. You can watch film, see what defenses do in certain situations. You have freak athletes you're throwing the ball to. Mm-hmm. Now you have the rules that are in your, so tit for tat, it's comparing generations. It's one of those things you can never win. You can go back yeah. and forth on this. Yeah, forever. yeah, ex- exactly. So All it's right. LeBron, LeBron versus Michael. It's never gonna be, never gonna end. Random Reno. What did you get this week? Mine's nice and short. Um, I'm not gonna say I've ever been guilty of this, but in Reno, one of those random laws, it is illegal to lie down on the sidewalk. So. If you're a college student you're... that goes downtown, <laughs> you cannot say that you've never laid down on a sidewalk in downtown Reno. I'll, I'll just say that. <laughs> I'm not going to confirm or deny that. I'm going to plead the fifth again. What All right. Got for us? Mine is uh, Marilyn Monroe. Her last film, The Misfits, was filmed in Reno. Do you know? The, there we go. Do you know the plot for The Misfits? I have zero clue. No clue. Here we go. While filing for divorce, beautiful ex-stripper Rosalind Tabor, Marilyn Monroe, ends up meeting aging cowboy-turned-gambler Gay Langland, played by, played by played by Clark Gable, 
and former World War II and a, and a former World War II aviator. The two men it, or the two instantly become infatuated with Roslyn and on a whim the three decide to move into a half-finished desert home together when grizzled ex-rodeo rider Pierce Howland played by Montgomery Clift arrives the unlikely foursome strike up a business capturing wild horses you know that's awesome that it was filmed in Reno but there is a 0% chance I ever watch that so you got wild horses you got an ex-stripper you got cowboys this has Reno written all over it I mean that <laughs> at least you think of Reno, for Reno. Yeah, yeah, as you say, a stereotype. If you think of Reno, people would, yeah, that's what you gotta think of. That's it. Alright, and that is also it for this week's show. Thank you to all of you guys for giving us a listen. You guys, seriously, you guys are the best. Thank you to John Ramey, Voice of Nevada, for coming on the show. Really fun conversation with John. A few ways you guys can get involved with the show over the coming weeks. Again, we really want you guys to get involved. First, please make sure you're subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Shalp Nathan, at Shalp Adam, or at The Reno Slant. You can leave a five-star iTunes review for a chance to win one whopping dollar next week. Adam, are you taking this week, by the way? Or am I taking this week? I'll take the bullet. I'll send the Venmo. All right. Trav ASU 08, you're getting a dollar from Adam this week. Maybe we need to make sure we get your Venmo information correct. We'll be back next week. We have an awesome, awesome guest lined up again talking a lot of Nevada football, and then in just a couple weeks, we're full-on hoops. We got some awesome hoops guests lined up already. Kickoff Saturday, Boise State, 7.30, Mackey Stadium. I feel obligated to share that Boise is not a state because everyone else is doing it, so there we go, Boise. You have a stupid name. We'll see you guys next week. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.